The following podcast is completely fictional. All of the characters, even those based on real people, are fictional. They are just impressions by a weird dude talking to himself for your enjoyment. Hola, Bramigo. What's up, everybody? It is Above the Dave. Welcome to another episode of the Lot Scene Podcast. I am doing my very first ever podcast from Las Vegas, my new home. And so really excited to be here. We moved the whole studio here and all the employees and we're set up. So we are ready to deliver you more Lot Scene goodness. And this week we are going to be talking all about the year 2002 for the Disco Biscuits. Following that, we are very excited to have Trey Anastasio, Phil Lesh, and Trevor Weeks all here to chat with us for a few minutes. And after that, we have a first-timer to the podcast. She's calling us from the road. We can't wait to speak with Karina Reichman. So throw on some glitter and hit on a spinner. It's the Lotsy. continuation of my in-depth Disco Biscuits discussion that I am having here on the podcast. I am just going through the years. Year after year, we've done 99, we've talked 2000, we've talked 2001. And often, those years, they are lumped in together by fans and even the band alike. I have seen uh, Mark tweet uh, referring to the 99, 2000, and 2001 uh, really is an era of the Biscuits. I think a lot of people view it that way. But there are others who view 2002 in the equation. And I get that because 2002 did feel, in my, in my opinion, uh, not as good as 2001, but it is still one of the best years of the Disco Biscuits history for many reasons. I, I kind of put 2002 and 2003 together and and I lump those two together. Ultimately, uh, what we're going to talk about today, this amazing year that was 2002, it's got some all-timers in there and it's got the band once again in an experimental mode. 2001 was a year for so many people finding this band. So 99-2000-2001 maybe is grouped together because so many people found and fell in love with the Disco Biscuits. It was kind of their their big moment. And so now 2002, by this point, the band now has this rabid, young following. And the band is young. The kids are touring. That's when I was young. A lot of us, you know, were, were finding the band. And in those first few years, it went from like seeing them to becoming obsessed. And in those years, the Biscuits just, you know, got better and better and now 2002 is here, and wow, so 
much, touring so many shows. I mean, spring, summer, and fall, and a holiday run stacked. This year has so many shows. And just like the year before it, they go all over the place. It is, I think it's one of the most tour-heavy years of their entire career. And, you know, they got these fans now who are traveling more to, to see them from state to state, show to show. You know, and they treated 2002 with, with the utmost respect to the fans and mixing up the shows night to night in incredibly creative ways. Some of the best. If you're a set list nerd, uh, if you're a set list geek, uh, 2002 doesn't get much better than that. Uh, 2002, they were doing stuff with the set list that was really fun, really creative stuff. Like they did the Hot Air Balloon one show almost to completion. And then right when they were going to get to the Hot Air Balloon, the song that closes out that uh, rock opera, they instead go into Aquatic Ape, I think, which was like a fun little gag. This is a year of the Disco Biscuits. In terms of set list writing, it was like maybe the most nerdy year. So if you're just a, a, a set list geek, if you like your Disco Biscuits to complete their songs well then 2002 is the year for you uh these days it's not a guarantee that when a song starts that that song will be finished if you're not aware of the disco biscuits there are times plenty of times where you're going to get the first half of 7-eleven and you're going to get the middle section of crickets and you're going to get the ending of astronaut and then they never will complete that song that night or the subsequent night or that tour it just you that's what it was it was just that portion of jigsaw earth <laughs> that's just what it is now there are times where the band still completes of course songs they start songs to open a set will then close the same set all the time with that same song a sandwich then they uh, will start the second half of a song one night and finish it the first half the next night that stuff does still happen in the Disco Biscuits world, and it's always fun for us fans to see that. But it's not guaranteed that every single song will be done to completion. It's not like that they're going to end a set with uh, Shem Rabu, and then three months go by and they play the first half, and they're like, this is the completion of... No, it's they're not like taking it to that nerd level. Though I know that if they did, that there'd be plenty of fans who would be all about uh, calling that shit. Like, they're going to finish that shimmy that they started back in May. It's like, no, no one's, no one's thinking that, and the band's not thinking it, so we're not thinking it. However, in 2002, the band was doing that. They were on some nerd shit where it was like, if you look at 2002 set list, if you just go through the whole year, you're going to see so many starts and, and finishes. Like, they finished every song that they started and if they went into the second half or the middle section of a song you were fucking gonna get the other parts of that song that night the next night two nights from then but it was happening and so when you look at the set list you're gonna see on so many of them that it's the dyslexic completion and the <laughs> finished from the night before and whatever just the first half and you know it was like if you were into the nerd sh set list shit, which clearly I am as well, you know this about me at this point, I do love that stuff, then 2002, it's your, it's just heaven for, for Disco Biscuit set list people. And they were so great about playing the old shit with the new shit. And at the same time, despite all of this, what seems to be 
technical, very like stringent rules. It was actually a year where they were looser in a way than ever. And I think that's what makes 2002 for me. It feels more like, not to say it's an in-between year, because it doesn't actually go anywhere, but it feels like maybe a year where they were just letting go and then letting things happen. I'll say this, 2000, 2001 is, is my personal favorite year. I, the band does explore a lot, but when it gets into jam time, usually they're off to the races, more or less. You know, they would drop it to a certain point low to kind of figure it out, but they usually would kind of get their bearings straight within, you know, a minute. Barber's on a riff, Magner's on a, on a, on a keyboard pattern. I don't know. Something's happening and, and they're off. And plus, Sammy was a beast. So I don't know if it was a conscious thing, but in 2002, I would say maybe not right out the gate. I feel like spring tour, which might be my favorite part, the spring of 2002, because it felt like the extension of 2001. And I'm really looking at the two shows that I'm going to put right away in my top five of 2002. Uh, it's going to be two shows from March back to back nights. Man, I don't know what it is about this band. I keep coming back to this. Every year we look at the best of. There's always back-to-back -back nights, it feels like. That's going to be March 8th and March 9th at the Whiskey A-Go-Go. Believe it or not, Los Angeles. These two shows are legendary Disco Biscuit shows. I didn't go to them, but I remember hearing them and getting the CDs for them and just listening to them so many times. I've talked about these shows a little bit in the past. I think we brought up the crickets from uh, 3-8 being one of our favorite crickets. These two shows are, are absolute legendary all-timer shows that you need to know. And it really, when I think about it, what I like most about them is they feel very 2001 style Disco Biscuits. And there's so much energy right out the gate. They just are just pumping. Just quickly, March 8th, the Memphis, the, the Izzo Jam, Memphis, Svengali, the one, two right there. Holy shit. Both of those versions, so fucking good. And then the second set is just beast. Of course, I'm saying one of the best crickets of all time is in this show. This show, it's, it's honestly, it's just about the energy. Every song is just packed with it. There's something about this band on this night where it's just every, every single jam is dope. Honestly, this whole show is fire front to back. Then they come back and then they do another insane banger of a show. And what I have to say about this show is that it has, I'm going to say it, it's the its the dopest sandwich uh, that the band has ever done. Like uh, they do a Camioli Sands into Confrontation in a Camioli Sands. Second set of March 9th, 2002. I'm throwing it out there. It, I think it's, the dopest fucking sandwich that the band has, has, has in their entire catalog. Camioli Sands into Confrontation. Holy shit. This thing gets, this jam gets you so fucking fired up. It's got the classic brownie. Cause you're hardcore. <laughs> if you know, you know. It, he's He gets on the mic at one point and he was just talking. There's some banter. If you want, listen to the banter first. Listen to the banter track of Brownstein talking about all the East Coast kids who came out West for the tour and are raging it proper at the Whiskey Go-Go. And he's just talking about the East Coast kids. 
you're fucking hardcore. And then he throws that in to a drop. And I've talked about that, man. Uh, Sammy would just go into these drops. And that's where Magna would just come in with something that was going to just absolutely like a spaceship. They would just take off after these drops that, that Sammy would do. And in one of these drops, in a rare moment where someone takes the mic, Brownstein takes, he goes, because you're hardcore. And then Magner pairs it with this incredible synth line. And then it turns into a snare roll from, and just boom, 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 launch into, I think, just one of the most blissed out Magner fucking just full band jams. And just peaking, peaking into confrontation, so much insane energy. And then, holy shit, the jam from confrontation back into Camioli Sands. It's just perfection. For me, it's like I could listen to that sandwich over and over and over. I really have to say this show is an all-time Disco Biscuit show. Really, both are. 2002 is, is starting off so insanely good. And then, I'll be honest, I think something changed. I don't know when they came back and they refocused and then they go back on tour for maybe late late spring then summer i did think something shifted and it felt like to me that when they would drop from into the jam section for a whole bunch of 2002 it could go one of two ways but it was always going to start for some reason or another by dropping the jams and defaulting to mark and I think this might have been an exercise that the band was basically trying to do to kind of like strengthen them as a, as a just as a core and or maybe it was an unconscious thing. It felt purposeful because they're playing these bars and clubs and theaters and stuff, right? They're not playing like huge spots. So, you know, a lot of these places are like loud and chatter and, you know, you know, as a large portion of the people probably have never seen this band before. And what would happen in, in 2002 is that every single time the song would then drop into a jam. 2002, they dropped it to like the lowest, like just a very quiet, like drum beat. And then Mark would spend the first minute kind of like figuring out what the bass line was gonna be. It was like, they just all handed the keys to Mark for every jam. And then he would have to kind of like, he almost noodled for like a minute kind of being like, and then he would like find a groove. And then one by one, it was like Magnum would like add a little line. And then Barbara would come in. Like it was so minimal in, in portions of 2002. And maybe it was a creative choice, right? Where they were like, let's just bring it down to like, just nothing. And then we build. And maybe from that, maybe that was the conscious effort. Because like these days, that's that's the opposite of what they do. Now, and I and I prefer it now, when they drop, it's like all hands on deck. Like Magner's immediately doing something. Barber is oftentimes in a much more aggressive like riff type thing or, or a noodle. But he's always playing the guitar. And Magner's always playing something. It wasn't like 2002, they were barely playing for the first like minute of some of these jams and almost like letting Mark kind of say like dictate like what the direction was going to be and the jam would go one of two ways one the boring way which I which makes this year inconsistent for me is when they would just play on top of whatever baseline Mark picked you know like like it was almost kind of lazy and I didn't like that and then the other option was they played off of him perfectly and they would play off of him and add the notes and fill the space. And and I think maybe that was the thing. I think they left a lot up to chance. And they did it jam after jam after jam. And so it made shows for me a little less um, exciting. And also because of the, the venue sizes. Man, it got like really chomperish. And 
I don't blame the people. I mean, it's like, you know, these are clubs with bars, like right in earshot, the, the small kind of clubs, the, the, the places where you have to almost kind of be in the front and dance. And if you're in the back, people are just drunk and screaming. So when the band kept taking the jams to that, like such a low point, it was just like everybody was talking and it drove me nuts. And then they had to like win them back, you know, or whatever. And then uh, they did. I'll be honest, even the peaks of many of 2002, they weren't what they are today. And they weren't what they were in 99 or even 2001 for that matter. They, they wasn't, in my opinion, overall, the same level of peak. Not even that we get today. They push it. I mean, what's happening now with, with songs like Reactor. So, so what ends up happening is that the jams start really quiet. They build, they find, they lock in on something. And maybe I think it was like, it almost felt like the focus of the band was to write set lists that were complicated. They jammed into a lot of like the beginning of songs. They jammed, they did a lot of dyslexic. They did a lot of inverted, a lot of that stuff for the first time for these songs. So it's almost like they took their entire catalog in 2002 and just like put it into this giant blender and was like, all right, now we're going to jam this shimmy ending into that boop beginning. And we're going to have to get from here to there, but we're going to take our time and we're going to start slow and we're going to build and we're going to get, it's like, and they did that in 2003 a little bit too. I think those years kind of, for me, I kind of bring together because it was kind of inconsistent, but also, I don't know. I almost feel like sometimes 2003 actually peaked harder than 2002. We'll get to that year next season, but 2002. So for that reason, this is, that's where, I was not as amped. But here's the here's the thing. If it was a creative choice to do that for a few months, what it did was it made Mark stronger. I think, again, this was another milestone for Mark and his bass playing. They kept handing him the keys. So I think it really did eventually kind of strengthen him. It was almost like he learned what to do. He learned definitely what not to do. And I think it made him stronger. And I think by the time that the fall rolls around, we get to two of the you know biggest shows ever for the band. Best festival performance by the Disco Biscuits ever. Two nights, October 4th and October 5th, Haymaker Festival. We have discussed this festival before because I included it in the Disco Biscuits best festival sets of all time. And so what I think really what happened is they put in all this work during the summer, strengthening, listening to each other, playing off each other, and there was growth there. The jams weren't as long as they are today. On, on, uh, honestly, they, they these days, a Disco Biscuits set has anywhere from like four to six songs. Then I think it was more like seven, eight, nine songs. There was a lot more songs being played. They were splitting up the songs a lot to make this, them creative, but the jams themselves were often like 12, 13 minutes, and then into the next song or section of a song. So you're looking at set lists with way more songs and less time jamming. And then the, in the time that they're jamming, a lot of it is like kind of minimal. So for the jamming, it felt in, inconsistent for me. But by the time that Haymaker rolls around, I don't know. I was actually kind of surprised. I, I guess seeing the band that year i was just i wasn't i saw them at camp that year i didn't know they had haymaker in them but i mean both those shows are legendary i personally look at night two far superior to night one though i know people many people who who think that they're much closer in terms of epicness but yes the haymaker are so the next two shows uh, you have to put for 2002 10 4 and 10 5 2002. So Haymaker, now it's like you got two of the shows that people consider the best of all time. The good news is that I think from this point forward, it's like Mark is now really the MVP of, of the of the year. If I'm going to pick an MVP of 2002, it's Mark Brownstein. He's now this juggernaut, you know, and the band 
I think, learned how to play off of each other. And so I think Mark kind of realized in all the experimentation of 2002, hey, I know that if I just hit him with the bombs, that this that the other guys are going to get locked in and play off of those those bombs. And so he was just dropping bombs all haymaker. And then October 2002, it just continues. A lot of people uh, will throw a lot of October shows out for best of 2002. I'm for my top five. I'm just keeping Haymaker, but a lot of people have other October shows. Definitely something changed. Something de- they ramped it up uh, for fall 2002, and I and that is because now there's this just Mark Brownstein that's just thumping away, distorted, reverberating bass lines like we haven't quite heard before. And then we get to a really solid New Year's Eve where I, I will put one of the shows from the, from the holiday run as well in my top five, and that's going to be 12-29-02, and that is at the Electric Factory, which is going to be my, my fifth pick. This one, I mean, it's a lot about the techno jam, the I-Man, but it's got a lot of good shit going for it. Right out the gate, Hope, Vasilios, The Big Happy, I Remember When, Aquatic Ape Inverted, I Remember When, it's it's just yeah it's just a classic feel good great energy type of set and then second set it gets dirty it gets fucking grimy and techno-y and yeah this one is uh again it's a top one for a lot of people it's the best i think of the run new year's is great though it's the history of the disco biscuits new year's eve uh it's uh it's incredible happy new year the biscuits are coming home song which was uh, debuted this night and then actually played again more recently. They were living in California and they were announcing that they were coming back to Pennsylvania. But yeah, it's tough. New Year's Eve is right behind 1229, honestly. Because it, it is a great New Year's Eve show. The history of the Disco Biscuits is legendary. It's it's one of the best that people... It's pe- one of the ones that people talk about all the time. And right out the gate flows. Mindless dribble flows. So good. Uh, man, it's tough. This was like the closest fifth pick. I would say 12-31-2002 is, is a very close number six for me, probably. So yeah, and finishes out on a just a great year of a ton of shows, a lot of experimentation. The band pushed themselves creatively, and it paid off. It made the year a little more consistent, but ultimately they end on such a high note, stronger, and definitely probably more confident that they could jam literally into any section of any song by the time 2002 was done because of of the really just the uh, aggressive set list writing that was happening. And so 2002, it's up there. It has to be up there. I think for a lot of fans looking back at their love of the Disco Biscuits, it's going to fall into like 99 through 2002 and in 2003 for a lot of people. And then there's going to be a period where we're going to discuss that it gets a little eh. And then there's like what's happening recently. It's like a different band. It really is. I mean, it's it's been so many years and the sound has changed. The drummer's changed. Uh, the style has changed. It's still the Disco Biscuits, but... And what we're getting from 2019 to 2023, these these last four years or so, you know, these got to go up there with anything, too, from those early years. So that's the beautiful thing about what's happening with this band. And so it's fun to go back and fun to hear how they were. It's fun to hear the all-time shows. I definitely recommend those five or six. So many other good ones that we could talk about. But 
Yeah, it, it is definitely a important year. One of the most important years to listen to, to check out. There we have it. That's uh, that's my, that's me once again doing the Disco Biscuits. The year that was. All right, let's bring out some wonderful guests that we've had sitting in the green room backstage. We have an all-star crew that's coming in here. So let's not waste any time and bring them out here. Ladies and gentlemen, Trey Anastasio, Phil Lesh, and Trevor Weeks. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Trey. Hey. Hey, about the day. Greetings, Phil. Thank you for coming back, man. Been a minute. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing real well. Yeah. On the road. Playing with Phil and friends again. That's right. That's cool, man. Playing with your son. Playing with my son. Having a great time with some great musicians. Playing at some really great venues. I'm lucky to be alive above the Dave. Yeah, you're back out there this year uh, more than you have been in a few years. So it's really, really special to see that, dude. All thanks to my man, Cody. That's right. That's right. He's my organ donor. Yeah, no, I got that. Good, good. Trev, uh, you guys are busy. Thanks for taking a break to pop in here. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to take a little break. Yeah, yeah, these guys, man. Goose are really having a great year. Yeah, they really are, Trey. Yeah, they're they're doing big things. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like their biggest fan. Whoa, whoa, hold on there, Trey. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm their biggest fan. Hey. <laughs> I, I don't know, Phil. I mean, I did a whole tour last fall with Tab, you know what I mean? It was, like, we played together a bunch, so. Yeah, yeah, you did a whole tour with them, so. So you clearly you must like Goose. Dang, yeah, Trey's been real nice to the band. Oh, Trey, I've also jammed with some of the Goose guys. Maybe you don't know this, but I, a few times, went and did shows with Phil and Friends featuring Rick Mitarotonda of Goose. Yeah, dang, yeah, he's right about that. That's right. Rick was doing, he was part of the, the Phil and Friends lineup. So, I mean, Phil had a band with a guy from Goose, Trey. Yeah, but I played with, like, more than just Rick. I played with, like, a bunch of the guys from Goose. I played with all of Goose. So, what do you got to say about that? Dang, guys. Don't to fight over me. Dang. <laughs> he came out and uh, played with Goose, so I didn't even play with Trey. Well, first of all, I'm a Goose super fan, okay, Trey? I'm not just a guy who's jammed with Goose. I've actually gone and attended a Goose show. Yeah, he came to our show at the Warfield. That's right. Yeah, I actually bought a ticket and everything. Yeah, dang, dude. Yeah, he actually just, like, custied up. Just, like, bought a ticket and just, like... I did. That's how much I love Goose. That's really cool, Phil. Yeah, dude, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm, like, more of a fan of Goose, like, and, uh, Trev. <laughs> I mean, for being honest, I mean, you know, if anyone's going to be passing you a torch, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's probably going to be me, you know? Damn, uh, Mr. Anastasia makes a good good point right there. Dang. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Phil, but, I mean, you kind of kind of passed your day here. I mean, he Trey's got the, the torch to pass, and we're, we're really hoping to get that torch. I understand. I understand. It's just Trev Trev. I would do anything for you. For real, dude? I'd even donate one of my organs to keep you alive. That's really touching, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's heavy stuff, Phil. Let's hope this really healthy young man doesn't need your old ass organ. Say what you want. Make fun of me. But that's how committed to Goose I am. 
I am maybe their biggest fan, Trey. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, I thought I was. Damn. And to prove how much I love Goose, I'd like to bring out a very special individual. Oh, hey, boys. How's it going? Hey, it's Donna Jean Goshow. She's back in the studio once again. Hey, how we doing, everybody? Pleasure to meet you. You're like a freaking legend, dang. Oh, it's so nice of you. Thank you, Mr. Mullet. I'm Trevor. Oh, okay, Trevi. Oh, Trevor's fine. Hey, Trey. <laughs> hey, Donna. How you doing? Pleasure to see you again. The pleasure's all mine. DJ Gasha. In the mix. Okay, I don't know what that was. Whoa, yeah, that was crazy. Donna Jean, a.k.a. DJ Goshow, and myself are part of a hip-hop duo. Okay. And I want to share my love of the G-O-O-S-E. All right. Okay. All right, Donna. Hold on. Let me make sure my singing voice is still intact here. Looking for familiar faces in an empty window pane. Listening for the secret, searching for the sound. Okay, yep, that's pitch perfect. Okay, Donna, let her rip. DJ Gasha. Donna G. It's bigger than honk honk. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Listen, bitch. Phil's back. Hide your wives, hide your kids, and your aunt's backs. Cause my boys from Wilton, jams be full tilting. I was already old when these boys were still milking. Talking about these goose boys, they're so ready for this. And if you hate on goose, then you're a petty ass bitch. See the dead invented the jam when tripping on acid. But sometimes our jams got distracted and went a little flaccid. Not these goose dudes, they really let it loose too. Plus they're hot as hell, I just can't let it fester. They make the Grateful Dead look like a bunch of child molesters. These guys are like a Lexus, and the dead were an old Honda. Sure Bob was a six, but have you seen Rick Mita Rotonda? These guys are a dream, it's like I'm watching Almost Famous. You ever listen to Goose and tickle your anus? There's nothing quite like when they play Arcadia. Gross poppin' boners, girls squirtin' on they labias. Plus the dudes can sing, and their jams are tight. I love me some honeybee, and I fucks with hunger sight. Plus they got this crazy guy, rocking a mullet. Shades be covering up his eyes, tossing beers down his gullet. Plus he can slap that bass, shades on with a vest. Guns be out in the summertime like Big Daddy Lesh. These guys got a whole video team doing the most. And they play like a team, even got a guy named Coach. Plus they got a nerd with two instruments if you didn't know. And when it's time to tour, he just says, Get the goal. Alright, bitch. Mamma mia. Fill out. DJ Gushow. Okay, give it up everybody for MC Lush. 
Give it up for MC Lesh and DJ Goshal. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, that was something right there, dude. Yeah, wow. I don't know if like that rap went type two, but it was definitely not normal. But um, hey, dang man, that was that was freaking cool, dude. Thanks, dude. That was really nice. You're the biggest goose fan in the world, man. Dang, 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 dude. Don't you forget it, bitch. <laughs> wow. All right. Well. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast and uh, telling us how you feel. It's been a pleasure. Sailing up of the day. Thank you, as always, Donna Jean. Pleasure. Bye, Trevi Boo. Dang, lady, it's Trevor. Catch you later, Trev Trev. See you, Trevor. Catch you later, dude. And remember, above the Dave. I, I know. Donate organ. And remember, your dong doesn't count. Okay, that's good to know. So you can just beat that thing up, my man. Okay, will do. Thank you, Phil. Trey, good seeing you. Um, you mind if I kick it here for a sec? Uh, yeah, sure, that's cool. All right, guys, give it up for Trey, Trevor, Phil, and Donna Jean. <laughs> All right. Trey, you good? You good? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think mean, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I came on here to talk about how I was the biggest biggest goose fan and uh and then you know phil just really upstaged me right there yeah yeah he definitely did you know but that's cool because uh actually your next guest i'm actually like the biggest fan of i think i'm like her biggest fan yeah oh karina yeah yeah what we got uh yeah we actually are calling her right now she's on a tour bus because she's just so busy, we can't even get her in the studio. But she said she would uh, take a call from us. So we were just going to give her a quick chat. Um, do you want to hang? Yeah, yeah, I'll say I'll say hi. Yeah, I'll say hi. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. All right, so let's check Marco. Do we have... Do you want to do you want to call up Karina? We're, everybody, she is a very talented, young superstar into the jam band world she's got a very modern cool ass sounding album that came out featuring a lot of guitar from this guy here yeah <laughs> yeah it was great and it's a great album so let's get her on the phone here marco do we we got her yeah we're calling her right now all right ladies and gentlemen it's karina reichman hello karina <laughs> hello hello can, hey uh, karina can huh? you hear me Karina. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Pleasure. Thank you. Nice. So nice to meet you. Thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to talk with us here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Things are so crazy right now. It's like, oh my God. It's so busy. Like, oh my God. My life's it's just like, it's such a dream. It really is. Like, I'm just, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's just so fucking crazy, dude. And uh, I'm with your good friend who played guitar in a bunch of your album. Mr. Trey Anastasio is here with me in the studio. If you want to say hi. Oh Oh my god, dude, that's so fucking awesome. <laughs> I love Trey so much. Trey, hey, what's up, Trey? Uh, oh my god, yeah, hey, Greta. <laughs> oh my god, Greta. Yeah, it's so good to talk to you. <laughs> oh man. Oh, what's, what's that sound? Um, wait. Hold on, sorry, Karina, I think Trey's getting a call. Sorry, Karina. Sorry, Karina. Um, yeah. Yeah, I got a Zoom meeting right now with uh, <laughs> uh, but 
uh, <laughs> uh, my vocal coach right now. So I can't, uh, I can't do that right here. So I'm probably gonna have to go. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we're doing, we got to do the interview with Karina. So yeah, totally. All right. Well, I got to go do this, I guess. Hey, uh, Karina, just wanted to say hi. I got to go though. Uh, love you so much, girl. Oh my God, Trey. Oh my God. I love you so much. You're the best. Oh my God. You're like family to me. Like it's so fucking crazy. Like, oh my God, my life's just like a fucking dream. Like I can't even fucking believe it. I'm just like best friends with Trey Anastasio. He's like my fucking idol, dude. It's fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> All right, guys, give it up for Trey Anastasio. Um, Karina, yeah, I mean, crazy, right? You're now just like BFF with Trey. All the, you're all the talk right now. Everybody's talking Karina. Everybody's hanging with Karina. Biscuits had you open some shows I know. You're getting opening spots for all these different big bands. You're, uh, you're doing your own tour right now, playing all over, selling out shows, dropping the new album, got your first vinyl, pressing. How you feeling, girl? <laughs> yeah it's so crazy because like it's like my life is like it's just so amazing and i'm just like ah, you know like uh, <laughs> like i mean this is just everything i've ever wanted since i was like a little kid and like i finally get it and like here i am you know like uh on a tour bus like we're, we're driving to salt lake city right now and it's like the show sold out and like i ah, did <laughs> just like so crazy right now i'm just so blessed and so happy oh karina <laughs> hold on, I'm on the day full on. Hey, hey, what's up, Brian? So, uh, the bus, uh, I don't know if you just heard that, but um, the bus actually just got a flat tire, so we're gonna have to pull over, so it might be a little late to the show. <laughs> okay, good, whatever. Everything's really great. Everything's, like, awesome. Like, I don't even care, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Don't even worry about it. That's fine. We just got a flat. Oh, is everything all right? Yeah, yeah, no, we just got a flat. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. Like, I'm so blessed, and, like, my life's awesome. Yeah, who, uh, who was, who was, who's Brian? Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Brian's my tour manager, so, yeah, uh, he just told us that the, yeah, the bus has a flat, but it's, like, whatever, like, we'll be, I'm sure we'll be back on the road in a minute, and just, like, I really can't complain, dude. Like, things are so, things are fucking sick right now. Like, really, like, uh, yeah. Well, it sucks. I mean, do you got to go or are you good? Uh, no, yeah, no, I'm great. Yeah, no, I'm like so good. Like, we're all so great. Yeah, like, we're like having the time of our life. Like, we're having, like, we're so, so pumped right now. Like, oh, dude, like, every day is so awesome, you know? Like, ah. Uh. Okay. All right. I love that energy. Love that energy. So, this new album is well received. You know, there, there's a lot of like, familiar feeling with it where i listen to it and i hear like a real pop sensibility and kind of like a almost like a fantagram type of vibe but then it goes into like a jammy space which i don't know it's really nice and unique oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah that's that's so yeah that's really cool you say that like that's like all i'm trying to do like you know like <laughs> Like, dude, like, I, like, played bass for so long, like, just, like, trying to, like, do my own thing and just, like, be my own person, and it's, like, so crazy now that I, like, I get to play with, like, anybody I want, and, like, all we do is just, like, laugh <laughs> and, like, just, like, have the best time, and, like, everything's just, like, been so awesome for me, like, lately, and... Hey, Karina? <laughs> yeah, dude? Uh, sorry to interrupt, Dan. Uh, hey, uh, so, our bus driver? Yeah, 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 Earl? Yeah, Earl. Yeah, uh, he died. Yeah, he just died. Oh, my God. Okay. 
so like yeah like whatever like so i mean yeah so someone's gonna drive like we'll be fine like someone's we're gonna be fine we're gonna get like this good like he's in a better place yeah <laughs> you know dude? he's like he's in a better place thanks brian yeah okay oh my god is, is am i hearing that right karina your your bus driver just died <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it is. Yeah, things are great, though. Like, yeah, no, he was a really great guy. And, um, yeah, we had some really good talks. And his name is Earl. And he was just, like, a really, yeah, really good dude. And, um, but he's, like, you know, like, he's in a better place. You know what I mean? Like, he's in a better place. Like, I'm in a really good place. Like, he's in a good place. And I'm in a really great place right now. And, like, yeah, like, just full steam ahead. You know, like, I'm sure someone else knows how to drive the bus. So, like, we're going to be fine. Like, everything's yeah, really I good mean, right now. I don't know if you got to handle that situation. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, like, no situation. Like, where it's, like, everything's, like, really good. <laughs> I'm having such a good time on this door bus, and this is a really great talk. So, uh, but yeah, no, things are really things are really great over here. Okay, yeah, if you say so. Um, so you're part of a trio, and man, yeah, the, your whole band is uh, could really play. You guys are really uh, crushing these live shows. I'm hearing. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that. I was just saying to someone. I was just thinking this. Like I was just saying, like, um, like we really are just like finding like exactly who we are on stage right now, and like you can feel it. Like it's happening. Like, there's, like, a real energy right now. Like, we are, like, unstoppable. Like, we are this force. And, like, and we're just, like, feeling great. <laughs> I'm feeling so good. Like, they're feeling so good. Like, all we do is, like, laugh on the bus. Like, we're having, like, the best time. Like, we're basically just, like, laughing right now just like, about stuff. Because we always are. And, like, we're just, like, always having so much fun. And, like, ah, oh, my God. <laughs> like, every single day, like, I just someone will say something and I'll just, like, lose it. And I'm just, like, ah, oh, you guys are so silly. Like, we're really happy. Like, every, like, everyone's been so great. Like, making the album, like, I was just, like, like, the producer was so funny. And, like, I was just having, like, such a good time. Like, oh, my God. Like, my life is a dream. This is what I've always wanted. Everything is perfect. Uh, Karina? Uh, yes, Brian? Uh, I got your mom on the phone. Okay. Well, I'm doing an interview right now. <laughs> silly. I'm doing an interview. Yeah, I know that, but uh, she did inform me that your grandmother passed away. Oh, oh dude. Oh, really? Oh, well. <laughs> oh, dude, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, she's, I mean, what a bless her heart. What a woman. Uh, really great, really great. Really great woman. Yeah, just, um, what a life, what a life. I mean, so, so cool. Like, just what a really funny woman. Like, just, like, awesome. She made my mom, and my mom made me, and, like, uh, you know, it was, like, like, total grandma like that. Oh, my God, Karina. I am so sorry. We, uh, we can reschedule. I'm so sorry that this came up. Obviously, I'm sure you're going to want to... No, what? No, 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 no. We can keep out. Uh, Karina, you sure? Do you, uh, you want to talk to your mom, or should I tell her you're going to call back? I'll tell her I'll call back. Everything's awesome. Don't worry about it. Okay. What? Are you are you, you good? Seriously? What do oh you Oh my god, I'm like the best I've ever been. Like everything is really great. Everything's really going for me. Everything's really perfect right now. Like my world is awesome. Things are great. Everything's coming together. This is my moment. Let's go, dude. <laughs> you know, like I just like, dude, I can't stop. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we're having the best time. Um, okay, so yeah, well I mean, not to not to dwell on it, but I mean, yeah, what, what what were you like as a kid? Were you always into, I mean, you played bass at a young age. I think that was a thing that people knew you for, right? Oh my God, yeah, that's like who I always was. I was always playing bass. I was like always loving music. I was always like trying to be in bands and I was, was in bands for a long time. And 
yeah, I was just like really always having like the best time, like just like playing music and stuff. But like, you know, like it was like different, you know, it was like different phases for me. It's like, but like now I'm here, you know what I mean? And like, here I am. Like, <laughs> like I just like, like I had to like become myself and like, and then playing bass for all those years. And like, I was always the music kid, you know, that was always my thing. Like, just like being in New York and like just being raised by people who were like really creative. And like, I just wanted to be creative and like, I had a really good like childhood, like, but like I had to learn a lot, but like I definitely like, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, just like I had like a really good time and like I'm still like, but like nothing compared to right now. Like I'm having like the best time right now. Like this is like the best I've ever felt. Like I'm just like peaking so hard right now and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just so amped right now and I'm so pumped because like, you know, just like finally getting like, I was just like when I was a kid, I would just like dream like, like I could just like be like a touring like in a band. Like I could just like, oh my God, that's all I wanted. And like I wasn't but like we weren't like that successful but like like we were good but like like oh my god like that now it's like uh like people like you know like care and it's just like it's so nice i'm just so happy karina yes brian got some good news <laughs> i mean what else is there what else is there silly <laughs> everything's really good right now what do you got for me we fixed the flat tire Oh, great. <laughs> great. Okay, I don't know if you need to interrupt the interview for that, but yeah, great, great, great. Bad news, though, is the bus is being taken over by hijackers. Yeah, and they are now holding us hostage and taking the bus in, like, a speed-type situation. Oh, uh, it did feel like we were going really fast right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Karina, I... You guys are held hostage by hijackers who are speeding on the highway? It's really, yeah, honestly, like, we were kind of losing, like, kind of track of time, weren't we? Like, we were we were kind of, like, actually going to be late to the show, but now that we're going this fast, like, I actually think we actually might make the show. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like, honestly, everything happens for a reason, and, like, this is, like, the reason, like, like I'm here. Like, I'm here to, like, be here on this bus, and, like, we're just having the funniest time. Like, these hijackers sound hilarious. Like, <laughs> like they're actually helping us. <laughs> Oh my god, what was that sound? <laughs> that, uh, you know, was the sound, dude, of my um, uh, tour manager, uh, Brian, uh, being shot. Yeah, yeah, that was him being shot. Oh my god, he's dead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is dead, but he, like, honestly, like, honestly, he, like, hates buses. Like, he was saying, like, he hates buses so much. Like, he, like, throws up, like, all the time on buses, so he's, like, probably, like, was, like, probably so over that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, no, things are good. Like, things are great right now. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. We're having a good time. We have, like, a sold-out show tonight. Like, oh, my God. Like, I've dreamed of this since I was, like, a kid. Like, being on tour. This is everything I've ever wanted. This is the best time of my life. I'm just so good. <laughs> Yeah. I'm good. I'm really great. I'm like, I'm pumped, dude. I'm fucking amped right now, dude. Wait, but about the day. Hold on one second. What was that? Excuse me, what? Oh, yeah, I was saying, uh, yeah, it's seeing a young chick wearing a Rush shirt. I was like, Rush shirt, huh? Yeah, you know Rush, right? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do know Rush. Oh, yeah? Name five songs. <laughs> okay. All right, you know, okay, okay. All right, um, above the day? Yeah, Karina? Yeah, I'm actually gonna have to go really fast, though. Like, everything's really great. Everything's really good. Uh, yeah, I'm in the best of my life. This is really, honestly, like, a dream. This is, like, the best year of my life. Like, I'm just like, ah, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. It's really, it was a pleasure just doing your podcast. I just gotta go right now because I gotta handle something really fast. Yeah, 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 no problem. 
Uh, pleasure speaking with you, Karina. It, honestly, uh, congrats on all your recent success, and I wish you so much going forward. I hope things are going to work out here with, with this bus hijacking. Uh, do you want me to do anything? Do you need us to call anybody or, you know, we'll call the police. <laughs> No, what? Oh, no, my God. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely have this under control. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is going to be no problem for me. Yeah, this is, uh, this is the best. I'm, I'm having so much fun. This is, yeah, no one's going to take anything from me. I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm just like, I'm like too hot right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm sizzling hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm so sizzling. So I'm just like crazy right now. So, yeah, I just got to go just like get ready for this show really fast. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, well, thank you so much, Karina. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. What the fuck did you say about my shirt, bitch? Uh, Karina? Okay, she's gone. All right. Karina Reichman, everybody. Life on the road. But she's a good sport. I think she looks at life in a positive way. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Lot Scene Podcast. I want to thank all my guests, Trey Anastasio of Fish, Trevor Weeks of Goose, Phil Lesh, and Donna Jean Goshow of The Grateful Dead, and Karina Reichman, all for coming by the podcast today. That was really fun. Next week, we're going to talk about the Fish Festival Lemon Wheel. Just hit 25 years. Yeah, it's uh, we keep hitting these these numbers like this. I don't know if it makes you feel old, but 25 years ago, uh, I was in high school 25 years ago, and I went to my very first fish festival, and it was Lemon Wheel. And so I went with Spun Rob, my good homie. So me and him are going to reminisce a little bit about man, looking back at Lemon Wheel and talk about what the differences are buying drugs back then when we were a bunch of custies. And now drug dealing has changed quite a bit. We want to talk a little bit about that with Spun Rob, everyone's favorite Wook dealer. After that, we're going to do another round of a new segment this season. What if the Grateful Dead were a metal band? Following that, we have a return visit from Pat the Stat. That's right. Pat the Stat is a Disco Biscuits statistician. He knows every single fact about the Disco Biscuits, and we're going to bring him on the podcast once again to quiz him on his knowledge and finally we have the man himself cactus otherwise known as mike gordon of fish is here in the studio and he's coming onto the podcast with his style coordinator jonathan van ness so they're going to come on and chat with us for a bit thank you for listening to today's episode if you have not done so already give a five star rating or review if you're a fan of the podcast that would do me a lot. I do appreciate that. And follow us at the Lot Scene Podcast on Instagram. Oh, and I also got in the mail a bunch of Lot Scene Podcast stickers. Brand new ones that are pretty cool. I posted them on Instagram. Hit, hit me up in the DMs over at Instagram. Yeah, if you want some stickers, I'll, uh, I'll toss some in the mail for you. Just let me know. All right, everybody. I'll see you next week on another episode of... The Lot Scene.